feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Breaking news. And just into the Rita Cosby Show, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died at the age of 100, passing away just a few hours ago. What an incredible life. What an incredible legacy. He is the last surviving member of former President Richard Nixon's cabinet. And think about what an extraordinary career escaping from Nazi Germany uh, as a Jewish member. Also, then, of course, coming to the United States, also a part of World War II, uh, influencing the Cold War, Middle East, Vietnam, certainly China, National Security Advisor under President Nixon, Secretary of State under both Nixon and Ford. He wrote close to two dozen books on national security measures, This was a man who, up until, I think it was a few weeks ago, just did a recent speech. I heard he had three degrees from Harvard, uh, received the Nobel Peace Prize. 1972, of course, his historic trip to China, detente with the Soviet Union. Um, And also, who could forget this moment? This is when he announced the peace agreement of Vietnam back in January 1973. Take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the president last evening presented the outlines of the agreement and by common agreement between us and the North Vietnamese, we are today releasing, we have today released the text and I'm here to uh, explain, to go over briefly what these texts uh, contain and uh, how we got there, what we have tried to achieve in recent months, and where we expect to go from here. And I was honored to call Secretary of State Henry Kissinger a friend. Uh, He came to a number of my parties and my birthdays. I interviewed him so many times through the years and saw him socially. What an extraordinary, kind, interesting, fascinating, funny man. Uh, One of my birthdays, uh, and I do a lot, as you all know, with charities, I did a birthday party for the Fisher Center for Alzheimer's, tied with the Intrepid. And Henry Kissinger got up and did this great speech. It was at Columbus Circle, I'll never forget. I think about a 1,000 people or so at least, and he gets up, and we're thinking, what is he going to say? And he said, you know what, sometimes I wish I had Alzheimer's so I could forget all of my enemies, because I have a lot of them through the years. And then he proceeded to talk about how important the cause was, how important the mission was, Um, also was so kind to me and just made the whole crowd laugh. Uh, He was just a lovely man. And even though he was a legendary figure, when he came upon you one-on-one, he was charming. Uh, He was always attentive and just always brilliant and just very, very much had a gift for people, a gift for humor And what a brilliant, brilliant man. And what an extraordinary life at the age of 100. 
And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show is also someone who had the privilege to also know the great Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger. Um, We are joined now by the chair of New York State's Republican Party. He is also President Richard Nixon's son-in-law, the great Ed Cox. And Ed, um, we're so happy to have you here. Your thoughts tonight. You know, it's interesting. He was 100 years old, Ed, uh, and it still was like I couldn't when I was very sad when he passed away because you thought he would live forever. Uh, You did. And he kept living life the way he wanted to live it right to the very end. And your description of was just a very good description, uh, uh, Rita. He, uh, it, the last time that I was with him, it was in a green room. He was about to celebrate his 100th birthday at the Economic Club of New York here. And uh, he came in his wheelchair and saw me, and he wheeled up next to me at the table in the green room and put his hand gently on top of mine. And he said, I hope Trisha likes what I wrote about her father. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> humble till the uh, end, you yeah, know. <laughs> and, and and then he went on the stage. You know, out of the green room after we talked, he went out, out on the stage and made a very uh, significant, cogent presentation about what was going on in the world at age a hundred. It's quite extraordinary. But you know, his greatest uh, days, of course, uh, where he made his reputation was working with President Nixon, and. Henry Kissinger was a professor, of course, a professor at Harvard. He had served at the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, and he was very interesting, the campaign advisor on foreign policy to Governor Rockefeller, who was a who was a rival of Richard Nixon. Now, Richard Nixon told me back in February of 1968 that the way he would solve the Vietnam War was to go to Peking and go to Moscow. That's the way he would do it. This is in February 1968. Uh, and uh, his rival, Rockwell, accused him of not having any plan. And he told me quietly that's what his plan was. But he needed someone to execute with him. So after he was, uh, he was elected, to Henry Kissinger's surprise, uh, he reached out to Henry Kissinger, Rockefeller's foreign policy advisor in the campaign uh, against Richard Nixon. And uh, and they got together and uh, there was a arranged that he would be the foreign policy advisor, national security advisor to the newly elected President Nixon. He was even more surprised in their first meeting in the Oval Office right after the inauguration. Uh, and the president of the United States told Henry Kissinger, we are going to China, which was quite a surprise to Henry Kissinger. Yeah, I was going to say, especially and, uh, back then, Ed Cox, that was really an extraordinary moment, right? It was it was extraordinary, but uh, uh, but they went at it, and uh, and finally, of course, the trip was arranged, and uh, Henry executed his famous bellyache in Pakistan extraordinarily well, and he got on. Uh, he was indisposed for a day and a half, and. Supposedly, that was the famous bellyache. Um, he was, uh, uh, as reported, but actually he was on a plane, flew into to Beijing and uh, met with Zhou uh, Enlai, and they agreed on the trip, the basics of it. He came back. Uh, no, one, no one caught on at all. And then it was announced by President Nixon that he was traveling to China. 
And, uh, of course, that was the trip that changed the world, and it is still part of of what our world is now. It, uh, it changed China from the Maoism into what became uh, really our uh, the second largest economy in the world and, uh, and the world rival to the United States. And Henry stayed right on top of the issues with respect to China, traveled there often, was very welcome in, in Beijing, of course, in foreign, foreign uh, circles here in the United States, foreign policy circles. And he went back and he was very much a part of that relationship on an ongoing basis. The second, of course, the big thing that, that President Nixon and Henry Kissinger are known for was the Yom Kippur War which was uh, as the most recent terrorist attack on Israel. It was a surprise attack, and the Israelis were reeling, and President Nixon made a decision right then. Whatever Golda Meir, Meir, Prime Minister Golda Meir, asked for, double it. And the Pentagon was, what are we, can we report, Henry reported to President Nixon, the Pentagon doesn't know what planes should they use, C-130s or C-5As. Send anything that flies, President Nixon said, and uh, and that saved Israel. That saved Israel. Wow. And and then uh, Moscow said, uh, okay, because their their Arab allies were on the retreat. They said we're gonna we're gonna send peacekeepers, close unquote, to the to, to, uh, with respect to the conflict. And so President Nixon and Harry Kissinger went to DEFCON three. You send troops, we send troops. Moscow backed off, and from then on. For right up through the first decade of this century, uh, that set the table for the relationship between the Arab countries around Israel and Israel. Because we were on both sides then. Because President Nixon and Henry Kissinger used that political capital of Israel to stop Sadat from being ultimately embarrassed by the Israeli forces. And Sadat declared victory. But what he really wanted was peace with Israel. And now he did establish that, as you know, later <clears throat> traveled to uh, traveled to uh, to Israel and uh, and they established relationships also and also to and Henry Kissinger was in the background of all of that. Yes. And in fact, you know what I was thinking? Yes. You know what I was thinking of it, everybody? We are talking to President Richard Nixon's son-in-law, Ed Cox. Uh, Ed, you know, it's fascinating. I, I think about how many presidents since that time have come to Kissinger for advice, Republicans, Democrats, because he was sort of the the seasoned hand behind the scene and still played a role. Um, you know, before we go, you had the the chance, and I feel um, the honor, as I felt the honor, uh, to get to know him. Uh, every time I'd see him, he gave me a huge hug, and he's like, "How are you, Rita? How are you doing?" and and would ask me what What do you think of what's going on in the world? I thought I, I was thinking he's asking me. I would say, "What do you think?" My goodness, you know, I want to learn from you. I want to soak up every moment from this guy uh, because it was such an incredible walking history yeah. book. But how do you think? How do you think he saw things? I didn't have the privilege to speak to him in, in recent weeks or months. Um, your thoughts of sort of where this moment is now. I mean, think about his whole life coming full circle as you talked about the Yom Kippur and China. And here we are at this moment with so many protests, with the situation. And boy, we needed a Henry Kissinger in the White House right now, uh, sadly. Well, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, to add to what you said about him personally, 
Uh, note the number of books that he wrote. And every one of them was a huge effort on his part. And he was an intellectual. And so was President Nixon. And the two of them, the greatest pleasure that I had was to be with the two of them when they were talking about foreign policy wow. and what was going on in the world. Ed Cox, and you're one of the, you're even really luckier than I thought you were. You're even luckier. <laughs> it, it, it was really it was really extraordinary, extraordinary. And what they accomplished was extraordinary, and it changed the world, both with respect to the Middle East and with respect to China. And don't forget the subsequent trip to the Soviet Union and the impact of that. That was the second part of that. And uh, and that really defined uh, defined an era. And Henry kept at it right until till his the moment that he died. He was out there talking to people, thinking about where the world should go, and advising people who were actually involved in creating the future of the of the world. Yeah, what what uh, a true uh, legend, and um, what a blessing to have yes, had to indeed. the opportunity. And I I am so jealous, Ed Cox, that you had the opportunity to be there when uh, uh, these two great uh, leaders were sitting there talking, uh, deciding such enormous decisions in foreign policy and domestic too. Um, Ed Cox, I really thank you, my friend, for joining us tonight with this big breaking news. And I know I'll see you. It's my pleasure, Rita. And I'll see you tomorrow, Cats and Cosby, right, at 5 o'clock on ABC, WABC. Great. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Ed Cox. Really wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the protests that took place tonight. There were so many of them all over the country, including some major ones that were right by the Rockefeller Center tree lighting. Uh, There was a massive crowd, and then they took to the streets. We're going to talk about that and what needs to be done. Are these protests getting out of hand? Boy, oh boy, I think about, as we were talking with Ed Cox now, how different the world has changed and also how different leadership in the White House has changed. That, hey, whatever Israel needs, get it right there. Whatever flies, send it over, as you just heard those great, powerful stories from Ed Cox. And now there is word that President Biden is waffling, and that is very dangerous, not just for Israel, but for the world. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, the protests keep on coming, and in fact, there was a massive crowd tonight 
in Rockefeller Center, right in that area. Luckily, police got the warning. There were a lot of police that were there in the area to protect the Christmas tree and the folks coming just for a nice holiday. It's such a part of the holiday season to see the Christmas tree all lit up, which just happened just a few minutes ago near Rockefeller Center. And, you know, it's a family affair. It's a time where people are thinking about their loved ones and and appreciating life. And then these pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli, in some cases pro-Hamas protesters got out there and were screaming and chanting all over the place. And then they took to the streets of New York. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of what happened just a little bit ago. Again, this was a tree lighting. These people have no limits. And a former Israeli diplomat, Shahar Azani, had this to say about the protesters. We know that they're against Israel, they're against the West and Western values. And make no mistake, they are, um, the, the, the name pro-Palestinian, they're not really pro-Palestinian because anybody who cares for Palestinian welfare wants Hamas out of Gaza. But they are pro-terror because it's the same people who came out on October 9th, even before the IDF launched an operation in Gaza and called right out here in Times Square that resistance is justified. What is resistance, Martha? Decapitation of babies, the rape of women. So these need to be called for what they are. These need to be called for what they are and they need to get out of control. It is not fair to be ruining people's holiday season, family events. Uh, They were at the funeral service of Rosalind Carter. Uh, What does she have to do with all of this? This is crazy. Let's go to Phil. uh, Line four. Phil, your thoughts about this. Rita, it's it's tragic. It's the only word I could think of. It's really, really tragic that that we have to endure these these individuals who are going around on the part of Antifa and BLM and whatever they are, who who, who evoke this image uh, in public. It, it's a disruption of our lives. These people are are clearly antithetical. They're against anything that resembles an American way of life or anything of a true democracy. And it, and the effect of this is is that people look at this and say, what, why is this happening? But they don't understand that these people are being financed and being emotionally supported. These are desperate kids who have no life, a lot of them. They, they are very upset. They're either on some kind of medication or something. That's the only explanation I could think of. Yeah, and you're right, because they also seem to be like professional protesters. It's like the same crowd that was BLM, their climate change fighters, you know, and now they're out there on this. Who's paying them? Who's organizing them? And why are they falling for it? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Charlotte, 
North Carolina, a place I know well and love, where a bridge has been dedicated now in the memory of Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department officer Mia Goodwin, who died in the line of duty in 2021. Officer Goodwin was killed on December 22, 2021, as she was working with other officers to close off a highway after a tractor-trailer crash. Another tractor-trailer crash into the disabled truck, pushing it onto officers and killing Officer Goodwin. Her name was added to the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department Memorial, and the bridge was officially named in her honor in June by the North Carolina Department of Transportation. The ceremony was just held a few days ago, and Officer Mia Goodwin's name was placed upon the bridge. The police department uh, chief, Johnny Jennings, said, quote, there was never a doubt that we would ever forget Mia Goodwin and what she stood for, who she was and what she represented to our department and to the country. But the naming of this bridge ensures that her legacy will always live on. And I couldn't be more proud of that. How beautiful to see that she will be honored and what a tragic, tragic story but how wonderful that future generations will understand her incredible sacrifice and the important work that our men and women do every single day when they put on that uniform to support all of us. Well, there were many, many people with the NYPD, many men and women that were out tonight because the word went out on social media that there were going to be big protests. They were calling to flood the Christmas tree lighting. That was the goal today at Rockefeller Center. It's the big Christmas tree, that big event they do every year. Barry Manilow kicked it off and many, many other big names. And this is a time where families come together. It's a joyous moment. But the protesters had to go out there and shout some vile, disgusting things. Things also got out of hand. There were a number of arrests. Uh, I've been told from some people who were there at the scene that police had to do, uh, I think, spray some pepper spray because they were getting pushy and getting violent. And then they also took to the streets. The good news was that at least the officers were prepared because it was all over social media, which is how these groups seem to organize these days. And they were able to block a lot of people from getting anywhere near the tree. But a massive crowd did come out. I saw many of them on the streets earlier. They were revving up and getting ready. And this isn't the first time that they've been at all these inappropriate places. Uh, they were blocking shoppers over the weekend. They went to Columbus Circle. Uh, they were down at uh, Washington Square Park earlier in the day. They were outside, remember, the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington destroying that. Uh, they were trying to deface also the New York Public Library. That's costing $75,000. I think police should find out who was responsible. They got to be on videotape, you would hope. Uh, it may be hard because they wear the kafia that kind of covers their face a lot. You wonder, obviously, if that's also done to block their face. Uh, but hopefully they can ID some of these people and then send them that $75,000 bill uh, to what it costs to deface the front and put red paint, handprints and red paint to depict blood outside of the New York Public Library. Throw the book at these people. We have given them way too much leeway, and they will not stop. And case in point, there were anti-Israeli protesters outside of Rosalind Carter's funeral. Rosalind Carter, 
who was probably, you know, one of the most uh, amazing women. All the things that she did while she was, of course, at the White House and afterwards, Habitat for Humanity. I spoke to President Carter. I mean, these are people who have always been sympathetic to all these different causes. And yet they will go wherever they can to get attention and to destroy the moment. And so here they are outside Rosalind Carter's funeral. Listen to this one. Right. Rosalind Carter's funeral with her family and other people. And that's what they're doing outside. And here are students from the City University of New York showing their support uh, for Palestine. And they don't seem to really be blaming uh, Hamas, which is really troubling. Liberation isn't going to happen except for the actions of, of resistance groups in Palestine, Hamas in particular, but not only. If we won our campaign, our grassroots organizing for boycott to have an impact, then that also can and must include our solidarity with those who are on the ground fighting and to achieve that, to achieve Palestinian liberation and make it real. And those are the resistance forces that are being labeled as terrorist organizations. One of, I think, the responsibilities of academics of those in the academy is to fight back against the designation of Palestinian resistance organizations as terrorist organizations. You know, it is not illegal to talk about your support for the Palestinian resistance, including the armed resistance, including Hamas, including Islamic Jihad, including the PFLP, including all of these forces. Wherever you see oppression in the world, somehow you can connect it back to Israel. Wherever you see oppression, it's all Israel's fault. Uh, The latest word, by the way, tonight, this is really troubling. This 10-month-old baby boy, Kafir, him and his family, he is said to be, according to Hamas, if you can believe anything, they say, uh, they're now saying at first, they said earlier this week that they think he was passed on to another terrorist group. He's one of the hostages. He's the youngest hostage that they took on October 7th. Now they're saying that he's dead. Uh, the Israelis have no way to independently at this point confirm it. They don't know if it's true or not. We're obviously all hoping it is not true uh, because he and his older sister and his parents were taken. And everybody was wondering, how could you take a 10-month-old baby? And also, I think it's a three- or four-year-old sister. And then the parents. It's just this horrible, horrible story. And we're, of course, all praying that this is not true because you can't certainly believe anything that Hamas says. But regardless, they took this 10-month-old baby. And what kind of monsters are this? And for some reason, these protesters that are there trying to destroy everybody's holiday season and shopping and somebody's funeral, uh, for some reason, they think that these people are heroes. Shame on them. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Helen on line six. Uh, Helen, this is so troubling where these things are at right now. Very troubling for me tonight. Uh, This is my second time speaking to you. I'm the Helen who adopted my son 
from Mexico. I spoke to you about two months ago. I remember. I remember. Thank you for calling back, Helen. It's great to hear from you again. You told me to call back, and I'm calling back tonight because my son is working in the News Corp building tonight with crowds of protesters outside. Police had already set up wooden horses to block the protesters. They broke down the wooden horses. They were beating up a cop. I believe that's the only person that got arrested tonight. I am so upset. My son doesn't get off until later on tonight. I, I'm here and they're destroying my holidays because I fear for my son's safety. And you know what? I'm very concerned, too, Helen. Um, now, now, what is your son saying? What is the mood of everybody there? Because it is scary. It's intimidating. And even if police, thank goodness, are on the scene, the sad thing is just what you said, that they don't seem to respect police. I mean, this school no. uh, at Hillcrest, you saw this earlier this week, um, Hillcrest High School where mm-hmm. the where that happened with the Jewish teacher, where this mob was sort of chasing down this teacher because they saw her at a yes. pro-Israel rally. It turned out a few days before they were beating up a school safety officer. So it's sort of this like lack of discipline. I'm glad Definitely. that at least police were aware tonight that they were going to take to the streets and at least they're out there. But do you feel, is he worried that the police, A, uh, can't do enough uh, or that there's just too many protesters out there? Well, I think it's because they had so much protection for the uh, Rockefeller Center program that the overflow went to other places and they probably want live coverage on TV. So they're in front of the News Corps building. Yeah. And they seem to also remember they also had that crazy map where they had a list of like places that they thought uh, were, you know, were not uh, pro Hamas, if you will, which should be basically all of America, I think, should not be pro Hamas. But um, but they had a list of places. And uh, I know that like News Corp and a couple other places were on that, which is just it's so shameful, Helen. Uh, how many officers are out there now? And are there people still out there at this moment? Uh, at this moment, I don't know. Uh, and he didn't tell me how many officers were out there. I really don't know. They This is not the first time. They they did it last week also. They actually got into the lobby, and I guess that's why they now have the wooden horses protecting the building. But that didn't help because they broke them down, and they interviewed an officer who was being beaten by these uh, protesters. Oh, my goodness, Helen. Well, most importantly, um, please make sure that your son stays safe and take some extra precautions and does whatever he can and make sure uh, that they certainly have enough officers. It is so important to be safe than sorry. These people are just, they seem like uh, they are just completely out of control. And and what I think is frustrating, Helen, as we're talking about this, it is a really scary moment. Um, it's a frightening situation. And, and I think that, you know, today I was on the subway because the streets were paralyzed. And I was on a subway car with a whole bunch of people uh, who were heading to the protests. And, it, and it, it it was kind of a weird feeling for me. It was like, yeah. who doesn't fit in this crowd, you know? Um, I'm sure. And I just got to kept my head straight and just said, I got to get to work because it was just that the city was in, in paralysis. But the reason right. I say all of this is that 
it is so important that good people speak up and that uh, that your son and others there let law enforcement uh, make sure that they are well aware of anything. And also, do you feel that does he feel that law enforcement is allowed to do its job? Because I think back at the protest, the Black Lives Matter that happened, Helen, and, you know, in 2020 and police felt for at least the beginning of some of those really violent protests where they were destroying businesses and everything else that uh, that police didn't feel they could do their job for the first few days because, uh, you know, de Blasio basically said, stand down. Finally, police were told, no, you got to get this under control. He should have done that day one. And they quit pretty quickly. They were able to do their job. Does your son feel and others there? And do you feel that police are able to do their jobs? I don't believe so, because uh, the mayor is cutting down the police force. Uh, He is he's not they're not arresting enough people because they know they'll be out in a few hours. Yeah, no, you're right. And that that is such a part of the problem. I hope that our our city wakes up uh, and realizes that they have to get a handle on this before, you know, it's too late. Um, because I think they need the National Guard. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. And I also think they need some tough love to some of these protesters because, Absolutely. you know, anybody who's spewing hate and saying, you know, vitriolic things and showing up in businesses and trying to get into the lobby, um, it, it, it's, it is a frightening place. Helen, um, uh-huh. thank you. And, and please keep us posted, please. And, and I'm going to keep you and uh, your son in my prayers. Thank you very much, Helen. Thank you, Rita. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Larry um, in Brooklyn. Larry, wow, that's scary. Uh, you know, here's her son feeling like he's barricaded in his business. Yeah, I hope I'm not going to hear music after 20 seconds. Um, you know, this whole conversation is missing context and analysis, okay? What's the difference between these protests that are out of hand and shoplifting? Nothing. If you let people break the law, they're going to break the law. Now, what, you, what people don't understand, you as well, Rita, is that there is anti-Semitism in the higher echelons of the city government. That's why these protests. Oh, I understand that, Larry. Larry, that. Larry, quickly, you don't yeah. need to school me. All right, I, I got it, and and that kind of uh, so why, you know, I know, but you always think you're smarter than everybody else, and that's not appreciated. But anyway, uh, we got it. But continue. Well, I, well, I, well, if you got it, I want to know why are you constantly focusing on the marches? It's being facilitated. If they weren't given the green, the green light or the wink of an eye, they wouldn't be doing this. They know they can push the butt. They could push the limits and push and push. And, you know, and, and the tepid response in Hillcrest High School, that just shows where the anti-Semitism is coming. And it didn't start in the Adams administration. It started in the de Blasio administration with Carranza, who was replacing Jewish teachers uh, in districts because they didn't want the Jewish teachers to, to uh, uh, spread uh, uh, to uh, differing culture or something with, with the black culture. It was open anti-Semitism. Nothing was done then. It started then, and it continued in this administration. Adams rejected. Kathy Hoke, Governor Hochul's offer for the National Guard. Why do you think he, he because there are anti-Semites that want the Jews harassed in his administration, period, end of story. Well, and I'll go even further, Larry, um, that also you look at what's happening in the White House. I mean, you know, there are many people that are in the Biden administration uh, that we've even seen. I mean, a number of them have put it out publicly, you know, social media posts, other places, uh, you know, mocking uh, the hostages, uh, you know, condemning Israel. 
Uh, and these are people who are supposed to be advocating for American policy, and American policy is supporting Israel. I mean, they've been one of our biggest stalwart allies. So I agree with you. And, and that's a huge problem, Larry, but that needs to change. And and it, and you hit it on the head. It is like shoplifting. And if you keep allowing it, it's going to get worse. And that's what I'm really worried about. Um, and we need to break this cycle uh, and we need to have those people have a wake up call because they have to advocate U.S. policy and they also should be advocating for peace. I mean, it, it is it is stunning to me that people are out there celebrating Hamas and that there would be anybody in any public position that would be advocating Hamas, whether it's at a city level or at the White House level. Uh, but I do agree with you on that, Larry. one 800 it's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And coming up. In the next hour, we're going to talk more about these crazy protests that are taking place all over the country, including trying to disrupt the Christmas tree lighting at Rockefeller Center and also funerals and everything else. It is nuts. Also, is Biden waffling in his policy of Israel? And is he waffling in his policy against Iran. I contend he's never really been hard in Iran, so there's not much waffle there. But with Israel, he seems to be pushing for an ex, you know extended, extended, extended ceasefire. And there's also word that he is telling the Israelis, and Secretary Blinken is on his way there back to Israel again now, because we're waiting to see, will the ceasefire extend uh, the six-day sort of ceasefire deal has now ended, so it could continue if Hamas says, okay, we're going to give another 10 hostages tomorrow to Israel. That's part of the deal. If they can give over 10, at least 10, then they would give 30 Palestinian prisoners uh, would be released and also another day of ceasefire by the Israelis. But Netanyahu already in the last few hours has said that if the uh, Hamas leaders uh, do not extend the ceasefire if they do not say that they will release the hostages and abide by the rules that have been agreed to. They will resume the bombardment and the fighting against Hamas. Uh, and they realize that they have to be tough. They have to be tough. There cannot be any gray with these monsters. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joel. Line five. Joel, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. How you doing? You do a great show on WABC. Thank you very much. Well, it's such an important time, Joel. Your thoughts? What are you concerned about? Well, first up, for eight years I was in the Marine Corps, and the last five years I was in special ops. I was in force reconnaissance. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Yeah. So when I got out, you know, before I got into the newspaper industry, I don't want to say which paper in the city I work for, but no one in uh, conservative commentators do not mention the old JDL, the Jewish Defense League. 
You know what? That's right. It definitely does need to be mentioned. Um, it's an important thing. Joel, do me a favor. Stick with us a little bit. I'll pick you up after the break because we've got a little bit of a break. We'll continue. You can talk more about it. And again, thank you for your service, too.